introductory material to ainu folk tales this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by expatriate in bangor maine ainu folk tales by basil hall chamberlain introduction by edward b tyler twelve hundred years ago a chinese historian stated that on the eastern frontier of the land of japan there is a barrier of great mountains beyond which is the land of the hairy men these were the ainu so named from the word in their own language signifying man over most of the country of these rude and helpless indigenes the japanese have long since spread only a dwindling remnant of them still inhabiting the island of yezo since the early days when a couple of them were sent as curiosities to the emperor of china their uncouth looks and habits have made them objects of interest to more civilized nations many european writers have described them but hardly any with such opportunities as mr basil hall chamberlain professor of philology at the tokyo university who has taken down from the ainus the present collection of their tales and prefaced it with an account of their ways and state of mind it would hardly be for me to offer information on a subject so excellently handled but the request of the editor of the folklore journal that i would write an introduction enables me to draw attention to the views put forward by professor chamberlain in another publication which being printed in japan may be overlooked by many english folklore students even of those interested in the curious ainu problem as is well known the hairiness of the ainus marks them sharply off from the smooth-faced japanese no one can look at photographs of ainus without admitting that the often repeated comparison of them to bearded russian peasants is much to the purpose the likeness is much strengthened by the bold quasi-european features of the ainus contrasting extremely with the japanese type of face of course all this has suggested a theory of the ainus belonging to the aryan race and although the idea comes to nothing when examined strictly its existence is an acknowledgment of the special ainu race type mention must also be made of an anatomical peculiarity of the ainu skeleton consisting of a remarkable flattening of the arm and leg bones on the whole it is evident that the ainus are an ancient race in this part of asia and so far isolated that anthropology has not yet the means of settling their physical connection with other asiatic tribes professor chamberlain's careful examination of the ainu language leads him to a similar result it is made not only from his own knowledge but with the advantage of working with the rev john batchelor who has lived as a missionary among the ainus for years and written the grammar printed as a part of these ainu studies in structure the resemblances which the ainu presents to japanese are outweighed by the differences and though it may ultimately prove to fall into a northeast asiatic group of languages this is so far from being made out that it is safest for the present to treat both race and language as isolated inasmuch as the little civilization now possessed by the ainus has in great measure been learnt from the japanese it is natural that their modern language should have picked up numbers of japanese words from the name of kamui which they give to their gods down to the rice-beer or sake in which they seek continual drunkenness now their main source of enjoyment 
one purpose which their language serves is to prove how widely they once spread over the country now japan where place names alone remain to indicate a former ainu population some of these are unmistakably ainu as yamashiro which must have meant land of chestnut trees and shikyu place of rushes others if interpreted as japanese have a far-fetched sense as for instance the villages of mennai and tonami which if treated as japanese would signify inside permission and hairs in a row whereas if taken to be originally ainu they may bear the reasonable sense of bad stream and stream from the lake the inference from records and local names worked out with great care by professor chamberlain is that the ainus were truly the predecessors of the japanese all over the archipelago the dawn of history shows them to us living far to the south and west of their present haunts and ever since then century by century we see them retreating eastwards and northwards as steadily as the american indian has retreated westwards under the pressure of the colonists from europe as with their language so with their folklore which largely shows itself adopted from the japanese in the present collection the stories of the salmon king thirty four the island of women thirty three and others are based on episodes of japanese tales sometimes belonging to world-wide cycles of myth as in the theme of the mortal who eats the deadly food of hades thirty five which has its typical example in the story of persephone on reading the short but curious tale sixteen how it was settled who should rule the world one sees at once that the cunning fox-god has come in from the well-known fox mythology of japan and as to the very clever mythic episode of looking for the sunrise in the west i find on inquiry of a japanese gentleman living in oxford mr tsunetamori that this belongs to the tale of the wager of the phoenix known to all japanese children and in which the phoenix is plainly derived from china on the other hand there is much genuine ainu matter in the present collection for instance we learn from professor chamberlain's above-mentioned treatise why it is that panaumbe on the lower course of the river does the clever things while penaumbe on the upper course of the river is the stupid imitator who comes to grief it is simply the expression of the dislike and contempt of the coast ainus who tell the stories for the hill ainus farther up the rivers it is needless to mention here the many touches of ainu ideas morals and customs which their stories disclose for it is in noticing these that much of the interest consists which the reader will feel in perusing them their most important characteristic indeed is insisted on by professor chamberlain in remarks of which the value must not be overlooked of all the difficulties felt by the student of folklore the greatest is that of judging how far those who tell and listen really believe their childish wonder tales of talking beasts and the like or how far they make and take them as conscious fun we ourselves are at the latter sceptical end and many peoples we can examine are in a half-way state not altogether disbelieving that big stones may once have been giants or that it is a proper incident in a hero's career to be swallowed by a monster and get out again but at the same time admitting that after all these may be only old wives tales even savage tribes under contact with civilized men are mostly in this intermediate state and thus professor chamberlain's statement as to the place of folklore in the ainu mine 
made as it has been under his personal scrutiny, is a document of real consequence. He satisfied himself that his Ainus were not making believe, like Europeans with nursery tales, but that the explanatory myths of natural phenomena are to them theorems of physical science, and the wonder tales are told under the impression that they really happened. Those who maintain the serious value of folklore as embodying early but quite real stages of philosophy among mankind will be grateful for this collection in spite of its repulsive features, as furnishing the clearest evidence that the basis of their argument is not only theoretical but actual. Edward B. Tyler I Knew Folklore by Basil Hall Chamberlain Prefatory Remarks I visited the island of Yezo for the third time in the summer of 1886 in order to study the Ainu language with a view to elucidate by its means the obscure problem of the geographical nomenclature of Japan. But, as is apt to happen on such occasions, the chief object of my visit soon ceased to be the only object. He who would learn a language must try to lisp in it and more especially must he try to induce the natives to chatter in it in his presence. Now in Yezo, subjects of discourse are few. The Ainus stand too low in the scale of humanity to have any notion of the civilized art of making conversation. When, therefore, the fishing and the weather are exhausted, the European sojourner in one of their dreary, filthy seaside hamlets will find himself, at least I found myself, sadly at a loss for any further means of setting his native companions' tongues in motion. It is then that fairy tales come to the rescue. The Ainus would not suggest the idea themselves. To suggest ideas is not their habit. But they are delighted to follow it when suggested. Simply to repeat something which they have known by heart ever since the days of their childhood is not such an effort to their easily tired brains as is the keeping up of a conversation with one who speaks their language imperfectly. Their tongues are at once loosened. In my own case, I found myself, after a short time, listening to the stories for their own sake, not merely as linguistic exercises, and I ventured to include a few of them in the memoir on the Ainus, which was published a few months ago by the Imperial University of Japan. Some remarks in a review of this memoir, contained in Nature of the 12th May 1887, have encouraged me to believe that anthropologists and comparative mythologists may be interested in having laid before them something more than mere samples of the mental products of a people which is interesting for three reasons. Interesting because its domain once extended over the entire Japanese archipelago, interesting because absolutely nothing certain is known as to its origin and affinities interesting because it is so to speak almost at its last gasp i have therefore now collected and classified all the tales that were communicated to me by ainus in ainu during my last stay in the island and more latterly in tokyo when by the kind assistance of the president of the university mr h watanabe an exceptionally intelligent Ainu was procured from the north and spent a month in my house. These tales form the paper which I now have the honor to offer for the acceptance of your learned society. It would no doubt be possible to treat the subject of Ainu folklore in great detail. The gloss might easily be made longer than the text. Each story might be analyzed according to the method proposed by the folklore society. 
a survey of incidents might be appended to each as in messrs steele and temple's charming wide-awake stories from the punjab and cashmere more interesting to the anthropologist than such mechanical dissection of each tale considered as an independent entity would be the attempt to unravel the affinity of these ainu tales how many of them what parts of them are original how many of them are borrowed and whence to carry out such an investigation with that completeness which would alone give it serious value would necessitate a greater expenditure of time than my duties will allow of perhaps also a fund of multifarious knowledge which i do not possess i would therefore merely suggest in passing that the probabilities of the case are in favour of the ainus having borrowed from their only clever neighbours the japanese the advent of the russians is so recent that they need hardly be counted in this connection the reasons for attributing to the japanese rather than to the ainus the prior possession which by the way by no means implies the invention of the tales common to both races are partly general partly special thus it is a priori likely that the stupid and barbarous will be taught by the clever and educated not the clever and educated by the stupid and barbarous on the other hand as i have elsewhere demonstrated a comparative study of the languages of the two peoples shows clearly that this a priori view is fully borne out so far as the linguistic domain is concerned the same remark applies to social customs even in religion the most conservative of all institutions especially among barbarians the ainus have suffered japanese influence to intrude itself it is japanese rice-beer under its japanese name of sake which they offer in libations to their gods their very word for prayer seems to be archaic japanese a medieval japanese hero yoshitsune is generally allowed to be held in religious reverence by them the idea of earthquakes being caused by the wriggling of a gigantic fish under the earth is shared by the ainus with the japanese and with several other races at the same time the general tenor and tendency of the tales and traditions of the ainus wear a widely different aspect from that which characterizes the folklore of japan the ainus in their humble way are addicted to moralizing and to speculating on the origin of things a perusal of the following tales will show that a surprisingly large number of them are attempts to explain some natural phenomenon or to exemplify some simple precept in fact they are science physical science and moral science at a very early stage the explanations given in these tales completely satisfy the adult ainu mind of the present day the ainu fairy tales are not as ours are survivals from an earlier stage of thought they spring out of the present state of thought even if not invented of recent years they fit in with the present ainu view of things so much so that an ainu who recounts one of his stories does so under the impression that he is narrating an actual event he does not make believe like the european nurse even like the european child who has always in some nook or corner of his mind a presentiment of the scepticism of his later years so far as i can judge that disease of language which we call metaphor and which is held by some great authorities to have been the chief factor in the fabrication of aryan myth has no place in ainu fairyland neither have the phenomena of the weather attracted more attention than other things but i speak subject to correction perhaps it is not wise to invite controversy on such a point unless one is well armed for the fight 
failing an elaborate analysis of the ainu fairy tales and a discussion of their origin and affinities what i venture to offer for your society's acceptance is the simple text of the tales themselves rendered into english nine of them have already been printed in the ainu memoir already referred to one has been printed but not quite in its genuine form which decency was supposed to forbid at the end of mr bachelor's grammar included in the same memoir all the others are now given to the world for the first time never having yet appeared in any language not even in japanese i would draw special attention to the character of the translation as being an absolutely literal one in the case of all those stories which i originally wrote down in ainu from the dictation of native informants as time pressed however i sometimes had the story told me more rapidly and wrote it down afterwards in english only but never more than a few hours afterwards in such cases though every detail is preserved the rendering is of course not actually literal this and the fact that there were several informants will account for the difference of style between the various stories i have appended to each story either the words translated literally or the words written down from memory together with the date and the name of the informant in order that those who use the collection may know exactly what it is that they are handling in all such matters absolute accuracy absolute literalness wherever attainable is surely the one thing necessary not all the charm of diction not all the ingenious theories in the world can for a moment be set in the balance against rigid exactness even if some of the concomitants of rigid exactness are such as to spoil the subject for popular treatment the truth the stark naked truth the truth without so much as a loin-cloth on should surely be the investigator's sole aim when having discovered a new set of facts he undertakes to present them to the consideration of the scientific world of course ainu tales like other tales may also be treated from a literary point of view some of the tales of the present collection prettily illustrated with pictures by japanese artists and altered expurgated and arranged virginibus puerisque are at the present moment being prepared by messrs ticknor and company of boston who thought with me that such a venture might please our little ones both in england and in the united states but such things have no scientific value they are not meant to have any they are mere juvenile literature whose english dressing up has as little relation to the barbarous original as the paris fashions have to the anatomy of the human frame the present paper on the contrary is intended for the sole perusal of the anthropologist and ethnologist who would be deprived of one of the best means of judging of the state of the ainu mind if the hideous indecencies of the original were omitted or its occasional ineptitude furbished up ainu mothers lulling their babies to sleep as they rock them in the cradle hung over the kitchen fire use words touch on subjects which we never mention and that precisely is a noteworthy characteristic the innocent savage is not found in ainu land if indeed he is to be found anywhere the ainu's imagination is as prurient as that of any zola and far more outspoken pray therefore put the blame on him if much of the language of the present collection is such as it is not usual to see in print ainu stories and ainu conversation are the intellectual counterpart of the dirt the lice and the skin diseases which cover ainu bodies for the fourfold classification of the stories no importance is claimed it was necessary to arrange them somehow and the division into 
tales accounting for the origin of phenomena moral tales tales of the panaumbe and penaumbe cycle and miscellaneous tales suggested itself as a convenient working arrangement the scraps of folklore which have been added at the end may perhaps be considered out of place in a collection of tales but i thought it better to err on the side of inclusion than on that of exclusion for it may be presumed that the object of any such investigation is rather to gain as minute an acquaintance as possible with the mental products of the people studied than scrupulously to conform to any system there must be a large number of ainu fairy tales besides these here given as the chief tellers of stories in ainu land as in europe are the women and i had mine from men only the ainu women being much too shy of male foreigners for it to be possible to have much conversation with them even of the tales i myself heard several were lost through the destruction of certain papers among others at least three of the panaumbe and penaumbe cycle which i do not trust myself to reconstruct from memory at this distance of time many precious hours were likewise wasted and much material rendered useless by the national vice of drunkenness a whole month at hakodate was spoilt in this way and nothing obtained from an ainu named tomtare who had been procured for me by the kindness of h e the governor of hakodate one can have intercourse with men who smell badly and who suffer as almost all ainus do from lice and from a variety of disgusting skin diseases it is a mere question of endurance and of disinfectants but it is impossible to obtain information from a drunkard a third reason for the comparatively small number of tales which it is possible to collect during a limited period of intercourse is the frequency of repetitions no doubt such repetitions have a confirmatory value especially when the repetition is of the nature of a variant still one would willingly spare them for the sake of new tales the ainu names appended to the stories are those of the men by whom they were told to me that is penri the aged chief of piratori ishanashte of shumunkot kanariki of poropet japanese horobetsu and kuteashguru of sapporo tomtare of europe does not appear for the reason mentioned above which spoilt all his usefulness the only mythological names which appear are okikurumi whom the ainus regard as having been their civilizer in very ancient times his sister-wife turesh or tureshi and his henchman samayunguru the divine symbols of which such constant mention is made in the tales are the inao or whittled sticks frequently described in books of travels basil hall chamberlain Mianoshita, japan twentieth july eighteen eighty seven end of introductory material recording by expatriate in bangor maine